0: hello ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the armchair book and wrestling podcast i'm your host my name is steve and joining me as my co-host is the man who does not listen to anybody's rules including his own and that is my friend jwayland davis
1: hey everybody
0: (laughs) and and so this week speaking of rules we're going to be discussing gimmick matches you know not necessarily a top 10 but just kind of really our thoughts on gimmick matches and we may give our favorites and then our least favorites, uh, because we everybody has the gimmick matches that you know they well they pretty much think are stupid, yeah. And that that includes us, <laughs> because some gimmick matches I just kind of scratch my head going, "What were y'all thinking?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, I just woo, and especially as, as I'm sitting there trying to think of all of them, i like, and I kept thinking of more and I kept more, so finally I just had to go just Wikipedia all the gimmick matches and there's some I'd totally forgotten about you know so um but I think this ought to be a fun conversation we've been talking about doing this for a while and uh we all said hey if nothing really newsworthy happens we'll finally have a chance to do it and yeah. well there had not been a lot of newsworthy stuff over the past few days um and I w- did not go to the NWS show this weekend you know sorry guys but I ended up going up to Dayton to see my daughter so wasn't able to go and I understand it was actually a pretty decent show
1: that's what i've been saying on twitter it
0: was a pretty good show yep so uh and i am been seeing noah he's been wrestling in other places besides nwf but he told me he was you know doing that like battle on the border and yeah. some of the other companies and um but one of the first things i'm going to do and i i want to give an update on kyle he actually texted me and right before this show and just want to kind of give an update on what he's doing. This is actually really good because, you know, like I stated before, I mean, he had committed himself to a lot of stuff. Well, some of the things he's committed himself to, and this is the text he sent to me, was his extra time, if he has any. He's been spending coaching 10, 9- to 11-year-olds in upward football twice a week. Plus, he's leading devotions and ministry with the kids and their families. So, he's yep, keeping himself busy and keeping himself busy in good ways. And someone else I'm going to give a shout out to, and if you've listened to the show for at least the past a uh, couple of weeks to a month or so, you've heard me talk about somebody who I was in the Air Force with. Station I was stationed in Japan with this guy, and now he lives in Kentucky. And he had actually recommended somebody to the podcast. We haven't interviewed him yet, but uh, you know the, the person he recommended. But we're planning on it at some point. But I just thought that he was just friends with him, and. But then I saw him make a comment on an actual promoter's page, not Roger Ruffin, but I believe it was Thomas Williams from war wrestling up in Lima, Ohio. And the way he, he commented on it thinking, did he wrestle? And so I sent him a, a, a message. I was like, Hey dude, I said, were you actually involved with the wrestling business? And it turns out he was, I had no idea, you know? Uh, and we were, I just knew him as, you know, Airman Pastelnik. And, you know, Chris Pistelnik, and he now lives in Winchester, Kentucky, and his wrestling name for uh, when when he was wrestling was Jack, or I'm sorry, Jimmy Fitzwell. And he sent me a a video and he said, get ready for the gimmick. And as soon as he came out, I just had to say, oh my, (laughs) and he was doing his best Adrian Street impersonation. And he said, I was Adrian Street before Adrian Street. But, yeah, he was running that gimmick in 1998 is what he's saying. So, um, yeah, so, Chris, if you're listening, dude, thank you so much for that video. And I know you just started listening because I, I sent him a link for the podcast, and he said he's going to start listening to it, like, on his way to work and, and things like that. So uh, we picked up another listener and somebody who I've been friends with for a, a while, you know, since we were in the Air Force together. You know, we yeah. were both airmen. I mean, that's how my my first assignment. But I will say, if he tells any stories about me from over there, y'all just 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 tell him he's lying. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, he may or may not be, but <laughs> we just, you know, I w- I was uh, a little wild when I was a young airman. I just <laughs> leave it at that. Uh, now I'm not the nice, responsible family man, apparently that I am today. Sometimes my wife might say otherwise, but yeah, uh, yeah, I see you over there with the face. <laughs> yeah. anyway, so uh before we get started to give matches i want to go ahead and give our contact and listening info if you like to email us it's armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash armchairbookingpodcast you can find us on instagram also at armchairbooking you can find us on twitter at booking armchair we have a tiktok channel at armchairbooking uh and we have a youtube channel which is nothing i'm just going to keep mentioning it i don't know why but we do have a YouTube channel. It is there. Uh, don't waste your time. We're really looking for it right now until I can figure out how to get the, at least the audio put on there. I could upload the videos, but, and I don't think either one of us really want that. Um,
1: yeah.
0: You know, so, uh, and you can find us on just about any kind of platform that you can think of for listening. Because if, if you're listening to this, to this on somebody else's, um, like their iPhone or Maybe through their computer, or if you may be going straight to Block Talk Radio, because that's actually who hosts it. Yeah, just know that if you, whatever platform that you listen to podcasts on, you can probably find us. if you can't, just yeah. let us know and we'll get it added. So, and I believe that is everything.
1: That sounds like everything. I think you got it all.
0: Yep, yep. So, yeah, because now it, it, it's too hard to try to name every platform because yeah. we found out we are on a ton of them, which is a good thing. So, um, ah, so, Dwayne, Gimmick matches. What's the first thing you think of?
1: First thing I think of is the ladder match. Uh, Okay, that is good and bad. I feel like I feel like WWE has kind of oversaturated the kind of oversaturated us with ladder matches. It's like I feel like that's their go-to gimmick match when, like, even like the last few weeks on Raw on raw they had a ladder match to determine the number one contender and you know good match very good match especially with the talent that was involved but it's like it feels like either every other pay-per-view or you know every other month on tv we're having a ladder match for something and it's like it kind of takes away from the you know excitement of the ladder match because okay. you're you're expecting it now and it's like you go back and look at some of the classic ladder matches and they only had those a couple of times a year especially on tv like when uh back in 2002 when the undertaker was the undisputed champion and he defended against jeff hardy on yes TV. that was, was a fantastic awesome match. match yeah And you didn't see that kind of thing on TV very often. And even on pay-per-view before they, you know, before they split money in the bank away from WrestleMania and made it its own pay-per-view. And then, um, between, and I'm fine with the money in the bank pay-per-view. Right. Same here. I'm fine with the money in the bank ladder match concept because it's true high stakes on the line, but then, you have multiple TLC matches throughout the years and multiple ladder matches and things like that. And it's just kind of waters it down. Like you see other companies using, having ladder matches also, but it's very sparingly. So it makes it feel more special when they actually have one.
0: Right. And I think they're trying to recreate WrestleMania 10 with Sean and Razor. Yeah. Because that's, that's like the gold standard for just, just a flat out ladder match. Uh, even though brett will tell you they they were doing the match he and Sh- he and sean had
1: him and sean did it in 92 right that at was the, actually the first wwe ladder match was right. back in 92 for the intercontinental title it was brett defending against sean
0: right and that was um uh, okay then it wouldn't have been a survivor series but it would have been before SummerSlam then yeah uh,
1: it was july july 21st i believe uh it,
0: and I bet it was probably Brett's idea.
1: It was Brett's idea.
0: Yeah. And yeah. you know, he brought because it and
1: done that they had done ladder matches in Calgary. Right. In Stampede Wrestling. They had, had Brett had been involved in some ladder matches. So Brett brought that idea to Vince. So him and Sean were the ones who got picked to do it on like the house show circuit and see how fans were gonna respond to it.
0: Well not that would probably showing Vince, okay, here's what you can do yeah. with in a ladder match yeah. to get to get Vince on board.
1: And personally, I prefer like Sean and Razor, the WrestleMania 10 ladder match, iconic ladder match. But for me, I prefer the SummerSlam ninety-five uh ladder match between them between them because they they had more restrictions and had to be more creative. Because right. they were told that they could not use the ladder as a weapon.
0: Well, they got, they figured out how to anyway. Um, yeah, <laughs> but
1: and that's what I'm saying. They got really creative with it. Right. And, uh, and I I like that one. I don't know. I like that one better than the other one.
0: Oh, uh, and I think they they probably said okay, in the first one. This spot was good, but we can make, make it better. Or just, but you know, we they may they would know the botches they made in the first one, and, but they hit them very well because they're yeah. both pros, right? And um, was with, with like Sean, he didn't do the splash off the the ladder; he did the moonsault. Yeah, which actually looked more impressive. Yeah, and I don't think they pulled his pants down in the second match. No, know, like they like they did no. the first one. But-
1: but Sean did hit an impressive sweet chin music from him and Razor were both on, on each on a ladder and Sean hit chin music to Razor and knocked him off the other ladder.
0: Oh, and you know, the, the first one at, at WrestleMania 10, they almost, um, had a disaster because they only had the one ladder. Yeah. And remember how bent up it was by the yep. time it was over with. So they, yeah. after that, they've always made sure to have extra ladders and it's because of that. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, because they nobody realized what all they were going to do. They Vince should have known what they were going to do with that ladder, but
1: yeah, they should have because you know they laid the match out for him at least, yes, you know, some of what they were going to do.
0: And now that match did run long, and they were told to go home and they they ignored them, yeah, and and it, yeah. it actually cost another match on the card, but um, but, and but Rand- in, go ahead in
1: retrospect. Given that pay-per-view, that was actually one of the weaker WrestleManias. So, it What's really, him? the only matches anybody remembers from that match was Sean and Razor, and then Sean and Razor, Bretton Owen, and Bretton Yokozuna.
0: True. I mean, I remember some of the other matches, but... Um... I, mean, I
1: remember them, unfortunately, but <laughs> I remember WrestleMania 10 being Randy Savage's last wrestling match in wwe,
0: in, in WWE yeah. that's right because uh now i always thought that one was a little bit better but then again i'm also comparing it to the one they had just the year before which is considered one of the worst ever um yeah. and then actually the one after it which is also considered one of the worst ever yeah it's like
1: their track record for quality wrestlemanias were i mean especially during that time were kind of spotty
0: right um yeah because that was the Randy Savage match with Crush, that was another gimmick match, which Vince McMahon apparently did not understand what a falls count anywhere match was supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, and he always treated it like, like a quasi death match or yeah. last man standing match, if you want to call yeah. it that.
1: Yeah. And
0: uh, because what well, was it? At one point, Savage did try to pin him inside the ring. And the referee looked at him like, mm. and so he had to he had to drag him outside the ring just to kind of pin him on the the floor.
1: Yeah,
0: and then <laughs> and, and that was the one he tied him up with a chain in the back. And uh, I'm like, oh, what are we doing with our life? <laughs> you know? yeah. But
1: what do you think of when you think of gimmick matches? What's the one that comes to he, mind?
0: Um, always, and I think this was because this was. A mid-atlantic staple that they at first did not use too much uh cage match just a flat-out cage match Yeah. and uh, part of that was because it was at the time it was used as like a feud ender normally yes. Yes. Um, i mean this was it this was the rubber match after this they're not gonna do anything else but it, it um the some of the first ones i remember uh well the first one i really remember uh, because it was happening or was going to happen was dusty and Manny when they beat um, Ivan Koloff and Don Cranoodle for the tag team belts. Okay. Uh, and that's the one Manny Fernandez came off the top of the cage with a knee drop on Ivan's head. And yeah. no, nobody talks about that one when they talk about people coming off the top of the cage, that one, for some reason gets ignored, but, um, but that one was the one where of course they, they beat them. Nikita, he was brand new. I mean, he, I don't even think he would wrestled his first match yet, but he threw in something, you know, you you would assume it's something like brass knuckles. Yeah. He, he, you know, he threw it in to Don Curnoodle, and of course, Dusty came over there, elbow in the head, um, and Ivan had Manny in the Cobra Clutch, and Dusty got whatever it was, I mean, it could have been a paper cup he had wrapped around his head, <laughs> <laughs> and he, and he punched Ivan in the back of the head while he had Manny in the cover clutch and of course Ivan collapsed Manny fell on top of him and the referee had taken a bump, and that's why he didn't see all this these shenanigans happening right and he kind of won 2 3 new tag team champions and then Ivan and Nikita they proceeded to beat Don down like he stole something right. and that's that's when they they split up and yeah. Don became a face and but yeah that's the, I always think cage matches because that one when the plus when magnum beat wahoo for the u.s title um when dusty beat for, therefore why it seems like no title changes happen unless they were inside a cage Pause think- <laughs> up for a
1: second you there Yeah, it froze up. Yep, yeah, there you
0: are. All right. Uh still frozen. All right, you there? All right. Um Can you hear me? Yep. Can you hear me?
1: Yep,
0: yep. All right, cool. Uh yep. you were you were saying you said there for a while and then all of a sudden it, it froze.
1: Yeah, I was saying that uh, when I think of a cage match, I think of um Magnum TA and Tully. Yeah yeah I quit matching the cage
0: and see so that one had two gimmicks in one,
1: yeah yeah
0: and and I and sometimes you can do that and pull it off, and that's a very prime example of that, uh because a lot of people when they think cage matches that's the very first one they think of,
1: yeah, yeah, but sometimes I agree though sometimes they try to do too much like the uh the kennel from hell match,
0: oh my lord,
1: which had, in in hmm. the concept was good, but the execution was extremely poor. oh my God. the dogs knew the dogs didn't do anything you know they they made it like these dogs were gonna be this huge threat. everybody knew they weren't gonna be because there's no way you can put these vicious dogs in here and have them tear up tear these wrestlers apart
0: but no, they, they, really they were trying to tear each other apart
1: yeah, they were trying to tear each other apart there, <laughs> be all over the mat but that was about it and then. It was that blue, that, you know, that blue cage with the hell in the cell wrapped around wrapped it. Wrapped around
0: and, it, which that part I actually thought was pretty innovative having the cage within the cage. Yeah. You know, if they would have just left it at that, hey, good. Yeah, no, they
1: left it at that and made it to where the only way you win is you have to get out of the cell. You have to get out of the cage and then be able to get out of the cell in order to win. That would have been fine. But no, they had to they had to Vince Russo it and put all the extra stuff on it. Messed it up. But my thing with a cage match is the reason I'm I'm not a big fan of cage matches anymore because there's no color in a cage match anymore with the you know and it's like for me it is not believable to see a guy repeatedly get thrown into a mesh fencing. And not end up bleeding somehow, right? Or getting his face ground into it, but he's never, but he never bleeds, and it's like that's no. I,
0: you should at least have a, a little bit of scratches there.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying that you've got to have the the Ric Flair crimson mask going, but yeah, you should show some damage from mm-hmm. you know there should be some scars from that match.
0: Uh, and if you want to see just a very brutal cage match that. I actually asked Arn Anderson about, you know, when they're asking Arn anything, and I was like the very first question they asked, and that that had me pretty stoked. Um, almost wrecked my car <laughs> when I heard it. Uh, this comes from the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. I was like, whoa, they're asking my question. And I was like, I need to text Waylon. <laughs> but but they, I actually asked Arn about that match. Uh, you know, I said, um, I said, it is one of the most overlooked, you know, underrated cage matches. And he actually got to talk about it, and then it led into another conversation about, cage matches, but he was talking about how brutal it got. And if you if if you want to watch a cage match where you could see like the Andersons first of all at their finest and you want to see the rock and rolls at their finest, watch that match. Yes. Starcade eighty six and I mean Ole oh, I mean he is just taking Ricky Morton. He's just bouncing his head off that cage every chance he got.
1: Ole was a monster in this Oh not he was. Play. His, his attitude towards his fellow wrestlers and towards the business in general has overshadowed his talent unfortunately but Ole Anderson was a beast.
0: Yes he was. <laughs> and that match like I said I mean is it gets overlooked yes. and because even was that I think that particular Starcade it may have been the only cage match uh, the year before, the Rock and Rolls were against the Coloss inside a cage, and that they actually yeah. won the tag team titles from, back from the Coloss. Yeah. Um, and that's the one where they, you know, threw Ricky out of the ring or th- over the cage and then proceeded to just waylay on Robert Gibson. Oh, yeah. Um, but that same night was the night of the I Quit match, and so here you know you had two cage matches in the same night. Uh, but 86, that one, that cage match was also kind of overshadowed by the first scaffold match, the Skywalkers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, I'm not a fan of that gimmick I'm, either. I'm
0: not. I'm really not for a lot of reasons. I, I mean
1: for me it's like you can't really do anything up there. You can throw you a can. few punches, but you, you those wrestlers are more concerned about keeping their balance and not falling. And there's not enough space
0: to really do anything. I and
1: mean, the, the most notable thing that's ever happened in a uh scaffold match was Jim Cornette blowing both his knees out. Yep. And
0: I lost you there for a second.
1: said uh the other one was New Jack trying to kill Nick Grimes in ECW. I
0: had a feeling that was going to be the next thing. Um <laughs> actually our reason I say this is because I literally just watched the dark side of the ring on it a few days ago. Um, Nick, Vic Grimes, um, he didn't fall with New Jack off, and that's when New Jack, you know, got the brain injury. Yeah. That was that was an ECW. The other one I always thought was also an ECW. No, it was an XPW.
1: Oh, okay, yeah,
0: okay. Uh, because that's when and that's when New Jack after he did that, he said you know he wanted to kill Vic Grimes, but yeah, uh, but after he threw him, and if he hadn't have bounced off the ropes the way he did, it, it probably would have killed him. And that's when he quit the promotion. He said, "Okay, I'm done. I got my revenge. I'm done." Yeah,
1: yeah. And he said he's like he, New Jack was mad that he even hit the ropes. He's like, "I was trying to throw him on on the ring."
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow." Um, you know, you wonder why people literally? I mean, they did not like New Jack as a person <laughs> because yeah. of things like that um even though i mean well obviously you know he's passed on now but if you talk to him he actually seemed like he was a pretty smart guy he just had a little bit of an attitude (laughs) in a way um i mean yeah i mean i could see i would be pretty ticked off of Vic grimes too if i had a.
1: he had brain injuries and he was partially blind in one eye from that yeah
0: and he said he had just perpetual headaches from that and He's he actually had uh brain fluid that had come out of his nose. I mean Oh god. Yeah. I mean that that was bad. Uh but yeah, the yeah, when they that Dark Side of the Ring episode, I mean I know we're kinda going off topic just for yeah, you know, somewhat off topic, uh that one was on not last Thursday, but Thursday before that. And uh they actually had an interview with New Jack. Okay. And and they and of course at the end they said, you know, um, you know, it's dedicated to um whatever his real name was, but New Jack, basically because he had the name. Uh, Jerome Young.
1: I think that, that sounds right, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, you know, because they said he passed away not long after they did that interview. Oh, so, yeah. You know, so, um, oh, and speaking of that, and I have not addressed this yet in the show, because I keep forgetting, I have only blocked on Twitter, on the podcast account, uh, just a handful of people,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and one of them um was because right after New Jack died, I actually posted something, you know, saying "Rest in peace, New Jack." Yeah. yeah. And somebody were, um, they replied to it. They put a comment on there saying, "Oh, well, he was a piece of crap," and da da da. And how could you say that? And I was like, "That's how you respond. so If you think like that, keep it to yourself."
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: You know somebody just died. I mean, he had, he did have a family. I mean, he had kids. I mean, you know, and I'm sorry, you know, you felt like that. Believe me. I mean, I've known people who passed away that I didn't really particularly care for. I'm not going to go trash them.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, so, but that is the, that's something that if anybody were to post something like that on the podcast, Twitter account, Oh, you will find yourself blocked. Yeah, you know, with a with a quickness because right. I don't even remember the guy's name, but I mean, I blocked him like I was like, no, I'm not. Mm-mm.
1: Yeah, that's just uncalled for. It's like, like you said, if that if that's your opinion, fine, you're entitled to it, but just keep it to yourself because I mean, that's still, at the end of the day, that's still someone's husband, someone's father.
0: Exactly. And yeah, so I thought that was bad, but anyway, back to the topic of the gimmick matches. Yeah, the the scaffold match. That one, of course, with Cornette blowing his knee out, and then the Midnight's the very next year they did another scaffold match. Yeah, um,
1: I don't know why they kept booking that. Was that a Dusty? Was that a Dusty idea?
0: Uh probably. Um, I
1: was thinking that that was a Dusty creation.
0: And and in fact, it was Bubba. It was like one of his last matches, and I don't remember if they had. I don't. They weren't quite WCW yet, but it was one of his last matches down south before he went up to uh, wrestle for the WWF because he was actually up on top of the scaffold in that time. And that's when, you know, Ricky Morton hit him with the crotch shot. And when they got their payoffs, apparently Bubba's was not that much. And he's like, I was on top of that scaffold too. And he's like, no. And he had been offered to go fight with Hogan. And so, and Jim Cornette was like, yeah, you need to go up to New York to go fight Hogan. Yeah. You know, actually get paid. But, and I think – one of the gimmick matches, and you know, it's kind of funny when you said that the ladder matches become the go-to match uh, with the WWE. I actually put in my notes something else being the go-to match, something that they've had fifty of them since the nineteen ninety-seven debut, and that is the Hell in a Cell. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and yeah, they. And yeah, it, yeah. It's 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 ridiculous how many you know, they've had them on the regular TV show, which I think that is a pay-per-view match. You don't have that on anything but a pay-per-view. If you put it on on Raw or SmackDown, you do it like once every two or three years. You don't do it.
1: And you do it like, you do it as part, for me, it's like you do it as part of an angle to build towards the actual pay-per-view Hell in a Cell match. You don't give the match away. You don't give that kind of match away on free TV. Exactly. I know we give the Attitude Era a lot of flack for a lot of the stuff that hasn't aged well, but they did do right with the Hell in a Cell match because they had two Hell in a Cell matches during the Attitude Era mm-hmm. on Raw, but they weren't actually what you would call matches. They were they led into a pay-per-view match. They were you know they kind of ended it on a cliffhanger of them fighting either on top of the cell or in the cell or whatever but it was to build an angle so that you would watch the actual cell match on pay-per-view. It wasn't, Oh, well, here's the match. Like when they had Roman Reigns and Rey Mysterio on SmackDown, they pulled it from the pay-per-view, which Fox was very unhappy about. Yes, he was. Uh, um, And they pulled it from the pay-per-view and had it as the main event on SmackDown the Friday before the pay-per-view. And it's like, that made, that made no sense.
0: So your go home show, you're just going to have <laughs> the, you know, one of the the, the matches that would be your main event matches.
1: Yeah, the ma- uh, One of the matches you you were selling your pay per view around, you pull it and have it on TV, again just to uh, just to spike a rating.
0: And and it's kind of funny, you know, you were talking about the Attitude Era of the Hell in a Cell matches. I when I was looking at this today. Um, one of the things I noticed was the, I, I have a feeling the ones you're talking about before Foley and Undertaker and arguably the most famous cell match ever Yep. Uh, about two weeks or so before that it was was it Kane and Mick Foley against Undertaker and Steve Austin or something like that?
1: Yes, and it, it never actually, the match never got started they just fought all over the place Right. That's how Raw ended was I think Undertaker and Austin were on top of the cell and then Mankind and Kane were inside the cell and everybody was just fighting but it made you want to see what was going to happen next.
0: Right. And that by the way that's also I would say Vince Russo booking. That's actually not a, a not necessarily the bad part of Russo booking Right. because they would have that those fights. I mean, they were yeah. they were fights. And
1: Russo uh, had, did have some diamonds in that
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The mud a lot. of some of the time so <laughs> and you know
0: since, since he follows the podcast um twitter account maybe we can get him on the show sometime <laughs> yeah, <pretty laughs> that, cool. you know Good. i mean i would be absolutely game yeah. yeah because i mean he he's a pretty well-known figure obviously in wrestling and yeah um and i don't think we wouldn't do it just for controversy i mean because
1: no no i mean yeah. i'd really like, I'd like to talk to him mm-hmm. and get his thoughts especially his wcw run i'd like to get his thoughts on some of that yep. stuff
0: and we would have to remind him, dude, this is a family friendly show. You can, yes, <laughs> <laughs> please. Uh, and I think he would actually probably abide by that. He'd be okay with that, yeah. but, um, but when I was looking at it, you know, they were using the hell in a cell sparingly then, even though you had two kind of close together, but like you said, one was to lead to the other, yeah. And then they just had a couple in 99, 2000, they didn't have any in 2001. Nope. And... Then, once they started the, the Hell and Cell pay per view in 2009, now it's just they've just been turning them out.
1: Yeah, it's like they have two every you know, they have two Hell and Cell matches at every they even turned it into its own pay per view, which it never needed to be. Nope. Uh, because like we've said before on the show, Hell and Zell was the, designed to be the match, the feud ender, right? It was, you, you, when you couldn't sell your difference any other way. You lock them in a cell, they beat the crap out of each other, one man comes out, and that's it. And this year, I will give them credit. That's exactly how they used it at Crown Jewel with Edge Edge and Seth Rollins. That's how it should be used. They need to scrap the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view and go back to using it sparingly. I don't think any, besides money in the bank, that's the one exception to the gimmick pay-per-views that I think they Mm. need to. That's the only one I think they should keep. The rest of them,
0: they need to get rid of them. And yeah, before we move on to a uh, kind of a different match in a way, um, do you realize this past June they had four Hell in a Cell matches in three days? Mm-hmm. Yep. Because <laughs> uh, I was like, wow. I remember they had a bunch like right there together, but I was like, yeah, okay. So they had on SmackDown, then they had it in a, a pay per view, and then. Uh, I'm sorry, four and four days, but either way, it was like, like, "Okay, guys, you burn us out." Yeah. Um. And you know the gimmick, the whole pay per view named after one particular gimmick, the TLC one. And I'm I'm not a fan of tables matches just because it's they're almost anticlimactic. You know. Yeah,
1: um, Yeah, especially. The only time that tables matches were ever exciting to me was in classic ECW. Right, because they always they always made that work. Whether somebody was getting going through a flaming table, or Mike Awesome was power bombing somebody from the top rope through a table, or something, they always made it interesting. Usually in WWE, it's a, like I've seen like when Sheamus won the WWE title. That's because John Cena slipped off the top rope and fell through the table. Yeah. Or when Big Show, um, it was Extreme Rules, I forget the year, but he was defending the Intercontinental Title against Cody Rhodes. He stepped, he's his foot slipped off the apron and he stepped through a table and lost the match because he stepped through the table.
0: Yeah. And
1: and it's like. I, I mean, I don't mind. I like the tables, ladders, and chairs concept, but I feel like it's watered down, too, and it's never going to... They're never going to get back to what the TLC match used to be with, you know, the Hardys and the Dudleys and Edge and Christian. It's like they, right. they set that bar so high, nobody's ever going to be able to reach, you know, that level of excitement because you honestly did not know who was going to win that match or who was walking out of, who was going to be able to walk out of that match under their own power.
0: And, you know, those three classic matches, uh, WrestleMania 2000 and the SummerSlam 2000, and then WrestleMania X7, yep. it, it almost feels like the Scream movies or the first three Scream movies. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're like, oh, well, wow, wait a minute. There's two killers. Okay. And then the next one, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they're like, they're still assuming the rules. And they said, number three, all everything's all. all rules are off or all whatever they said. That's yeah. what the, the third one felt like. And yeah. yeah, that's when Spike and Rhino and Lita interfered and they were doing their thing and Lita was showing why her moons or not her moonsaw, her Hurricane Rana. Actually her moonsaw too. I mean, they yeah. were I mean, she was like it was one of the best ones in the business, period.
1: Yeah.
0: And mm-hmm. that's where Jeff Hardy came off the ladder um from guy with 25 foot and he just did his swanton yeah. and that one was like okay y'all cannot top this match yeah and so stop trying to have a pay-per-view where you're trying to reach that vince yeah you're you're just you're not going to equal it so
1: and they've uh, had some good tlc matches but it's been a long time since they've had great one honestly for me those you know that trilogy with uh The Dudleys, Edge and Christian, and the Hardys is just Mm -hmm. – that is the top. And then the forgotten TLC, TLC4, that they had on SmackDown when Jericho and Benoit were the tag team champions, uh, that that was a great one. But to me, that was the last great one. There have been some really good ones, but there haven't been great ones in a long time.
0: And – Some of the, the forgotten gimmick matches you just don't see anymore. And I think it, it, I think it's just today's times. Mm -hmm. Maybe, um, you don't see strap matches and you don't really see, uh, I haven't seen a chain match in a long time. Um, Let's see. Um, a dog collar match, which a dog collar match and a chain match are two totally separate things, even though they both kind of use the same concept. Um,
1: I've seen a dog collar match in AEW. It was, uh,
0: uh it was that, yep, Cody and, and, um, early, that's yeah. right. Yep. Uh, I literally just, it, I read about that again today and I was like, that's right. That was his very last match before he passed yep. away.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but you don't see them very often in it often. And a dog collar match was a little different because you, to win, you actually pinned your opponent still. Yeah. Yep. You know, whereas that's a just, Russian chain wow. match, <laughs> you drag him around the corners.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh same thing with the strap match. Yeah. You drag him around the corner and actually I think the last strap match I saw and it made me so mad just because of how they ended it was Hogan and Big Van Vader.
1: Yeah.
0: You, you know the one I'm talking about?
1: I know the one you're talking about. Yeah.
0: Because the whole point of the strap being around your wrist is you're not supposed to be able to get it off your wrist. Yeah. Well, Hogan kept taking it off his wrist and walking around doing something and putting it back on. And then he eventually took Vader's off, put it on flair, drug him around to the corners, and somehow he won the match. Yeah. and That's because uh-huh. he
1: knew he couldn't drag Vader around. So
0: Yeah, and Vader, I mean, it didn't matter how big and bad Hogan was. You know, he was uh, Mr. It. He was like the, the comic book type hero. And – it it would have been very unrealistic for him to be able to drag Leon yes. White. <laughs> you know? And and Vader was probably going night laying down for him. And yeah, that don't Vader, work for me either, brother. <laughs>
1: Vader was one of those guys that you didn't move Vader unless he wanted to be moved. Right.
0: Or if you're Paul Ondorf wearing wearing bathroom shoes. Wearing,
1: yeah, wearing shorts and flip flops, but wearing shorts and
0: flip flops, but <laughs> But, yeah, that one, that one ruined the Strat match for me. Uh, bull rope matches, I can't think of the last time I saw one of those. I can't and, either. Um, and I think that one – well, I think that one, because it was very regionalized, a bull rope match you could pull off in the southeast or southwest. You couldn't really pull it off somewhere like Minnesota. Yeah. You know, um, it
1: – Surprisingly, I did see a good one um, – was Dusty Rhodes and Randy Orton. It, really? WWE started doing the Great American Great American Bash pay per view. Okay. Uh, they actually had a Texas Bull Rope match, and it was actually pretty good. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the bloody brawl that we're used to from you know the eighties when they had right. those Texas. But I mean, for what it was from from the confines of the WWE, it was actually pretty good.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, I'll have to, go, have to go try to find and check that one out. Um, I
1: think it was Great American Bash. To, uh, I want to say 2004, but I'm not sure. It was either 2004
0: or 2005. Okay. Uh, I think it
1: was probably 2005 because 2004 was when um, Horton was gearing up to win the world title. So I think it was. The
0: next year yeah yeah 2005 during the summer i was actually in korea so um yes yeah, so i didn't really watch any wrestling when i was over there uh, but we yeah, had the rope matches and one of the matches that it only it was a dusty Rhodes idea and then he kind of killed it himself because for a lot of reasons was the, the bunkhouse stampede
1: yeah yeah you know
0: how do you have a battle royal inside a cage I mean, <laughs> yeah,
1: kind of, yeah, that kind of. I mean, they started out good. I mean, the the mo- for me, the most memorable one was when Luger wouldn't jump over the top rope for JJ
0: for JJ. Yeah.
1: yeah, ended up getting booted out of the Horseman. But I mean, they started out good. But yeah, how do you have a battle royal inside a cage? It's like
0: and then then Dusty being the one to win them all. That yeah, that started. You know, setting some people off, and they were like, All right, I'm out. You know, if he's gonna be like that. And plus, when the first one he had was in Uniondale, New York. And
1: yeah, it's they don't know what
0: a bunkhouse is up in New York. That is a very, very like Southwest United States thing. Yeah.
1: They don't know what a bunkhouse is. They don't know what a stampede is. I mean, yeah.
0: You know, um,
1: them, but it's like that's more, yeah. That's more of a southwestern
0: Yeah, it's a Texas-Oklahoma thing, yeah, and uh, and so I mean, it, it made it look more like a circus act than anything else almost and plus, I don't think anybody could realistically see Dusty. Now, granted Dusty, I mean, it didn't matter where he went. I mean, he always had that charisma, he could just he could talk oh, people yeah. into the building. Yeah. but for him to win all of them, just yeah, that was bad. But, you know, when I was looking on the list, uh, some of the, the, the pay-per-views, which they keep trying it and it never really works that well, is basically anything on a pole.
1: Oh, Lord. Yes. Those, I mean, I've never liked those matches, ever, because there is, there's nothing going on. It's just two guys punching and kicking each other for a few minutes and then trying to grab a pole. And yeah, trying to climb up the pole to grab whatever's up there the most infamous one was when in WCW when they had the the four boxes on a pole and one box yeah. contained the world heavyweight title and when Booker T opens one box and it's a it's, it's a portrait of Scott Hall and Booker T looks <laughs> t- <laughs> t- on his face like are you kidding me? And then the next box had the title in it, but when Booker was trying to get it, the title falls out and hits the ground. <laughs> Grab the title, give it to Booker T, and that's how Booker T wins the world title. And it's like, oh, no. And then they, you know, they had Viagra on a pole. Remember, what? it was Billy Kidman and Shane Douglas. Did Why I really would anybody Why? think
0: that was a good idea?
1: I don't know, but it was Vince Russo booking at the time. But uh, I don't even know how that got brought into the storyline. But it was literally Viagra on a pole match. They've had Pinata on a pole, people's contracts on a pole, Judy Bagwell
0: on a pole. Except which, she was on a pole, four She just <laughs> there like this, trying to like not fall the whole yeah, time.
1: You could tell she was scared to death, and it's like. And none of these, in the grand scheme of pro wrestling, none of these are remembered fondly.
0: No, they're not. Even Sting and Jake Roberts, when they had... It was the spin the wheel, make a deal, which I actually am okay with that concept, by the way.
1: I do like that concept. They just brought that back for a Halloween Havoc on NXT last week.
0: Yeah, and that and actually Halloween Havoc is the perfect place for it. Yep. And But spin the wheel, make a deal, because that way you don't know... Right, you know, you know what it's going to be and, and it almost feels like even the wrestlers themselves don't necessarily know because it's kind of hard to gimmick that wheel
1: yeah yep
0: but the coal miners glove match sting and jake roberts yeah and uh, which seeing sting and jake roberts okay maybe this be a pretty decent match and ended up not being it
1: was and, not i yeah. was so disappointed because when when jake first showed up in wcw and attacked sting I was like, because I've been, a, I've always been a huge Jack Roberts fan, and you know, loved his stuff in you know Mid South Georgia, but especially his WCW. I mean uh, WCW, his WWE run because it's like, if anybody wants to know how to do heel work, mm-hmm. go Google, go on YouTube and watch every Jack Roberts promo that you can find.
0: Yeah. The-
1: language the facial expressions oh. the the mannerisms but his speaking voice well you got everybody else around him screaming and hollering and spit flying out of their mouth and flexing their muscles and everything Jake just talked nice and softly he told you exactly what he was going to do and then he went out and did it
0: and you know I, I said Dusty could talk you into the building Jake would scare you into the building
1: Jake would scare you into the building. And when he looked in the camera with that little look, with that look he had and said, trust me, it was like, you, you get, I always got, I got chills. Oh
0: yeah.
1: It was like, oh, yeah. okay. I, <laughs> I mean, he was a bad guy, but he made you want to watch everything he did. Cause you wanted to see what he was going to do next.
0: And, and then he, he would do that smile. Yeah. And because he had the mustache, the, yeah, what was it? Uh, well, I don't, well, yeah, it was called a Fu Manchu mustache that he had. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And if he didn't have the mustache, it wouldn't have been as effective. But he did a smile, and you see his whole mustache kind of curl up. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that dude's scary. Yeah. <laughs> and, you but, know.
1: Yeah, but that unfortunately, that him and Sting, him and Sting just didn't have that chemistry.
0: They didn't, and they
1: and the, plus Sting, they were hampered by that that gimmick match and. I don't and, even know what the point of I guess it was just so you could use a foreign object and punch your opponent.
0: Yeah, yeah, because the, the coal miner's glove, of course, is the glove. It's got the steel or whatever wrapped around it, so like coal miners would use it, so they don't right. burn their hands up. And it was only used once. Steen got it, punched Jake in the ribs. And yeah. Jake by this point had it wasn't Damien. <laughs> it was yeah. You know, I've I've seen spaghetti noodles bigger around than this snake that he pulled out of his bag. Yeah. And the thing kept he was like it uh, supposedly attacked Jake, but it kept falling off and Jake had, kept having to put it back on his face.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and and Mick Foley ran out was kind of helping him and Mick was probably like uh okay come on Jake let's go.
1: Let's <laughs> you go know, and this, this is just falling apart.
0: You know, and then that was I think Was that one of the only matches Jake had in WCW because he got fired not long after?
1: Yeah, he had that match, and I think he had maybe a couple more matches on house shows, and then he was gone.
0: Yeah, because he showed up drunk or no-showed or something, and Uh, they're like, you're gone.
1: Yeah, that and the money wasn't wasn't right. The money that he had agreed upon when he signed wasn't what they were actually paying him right he was a lot less than what was agreed upon and he's like nope i'm out
0: and uh, you know that that's another example of the the pole matches but when you know you mentioned did you say the sombrero on a pole
1: i forgot about that one but yes they had that one too
0: yep because manny fernandez and Abdullah the butcher had the sombrero on a pole match which I'm thinking, all right, Manny already has an advantage. Yeah. Because, you know, Abby, is, we, he was like a legit 400 pounds. Yeah. And not very I, mobile.
1: I, I, yeah, he's... Yeah. Abdullah's thing was never climbing anywhere. I mean, he could barely climb into the ring. Abdullah's thing was, he was just going to brutalize you until mm-hmm. you couldn't couldn't keep going.
0: And, you know, that one was either Starcade 84 or 85. And... Another one, a very impressive thing that Manny did that nobody talks about. It was either a vertical suplex or a monkey flip that he did to Abdullah the Butcher.
1: Yes. Yes. I, <laughs> think it was, I think it was a monkey flip. Yeah. yeah. I've seen clips of that and I was like, how? Yeah. Even with Abdullah helping him, how did you move that man to do, do that monkey flip?
0: Right. I, I mean.
1: That is amazing leg strength on Manny Fernandez's part to get him up, you know, to get him up and over.
0: You know, if anybody is listening to this and you happen to know Manny or you know how to get a hold of Manny, Manny, please have him contact us because we would love to have him on the show to ask him these kind of questions. Yes. Because we need to know these things. (laughs) Because I think Manny Fernandez is someone that is very underrated, underappreciated because he did so much. Uh, He put Arn Anderson over when Arn first went to Mid-Atlantic. Yep, and because i remember watching those and manny fernandez was one of my favorite manny fernandez was also one of my mom's favorites oh okay yeah Yeah. manny and magnum ta Uh, i think it was something about the mustaches you know and and i know manny i knew he was living in north carolina at one point because if you hear the hardys they actually tell a story about um him showing up at one of their events when they were still doing the omega pro wrestling okay you know, um, and it wasn't a very good. Uh, it wasn't a good meeting. Oh, yeah, I'll have to tell you about that one a little later. And if I can find the podcast it was on, that I cause I don't remember if it was Stone Cold or it was Jericho was that they were talking about that. Okay. But um, but yeah, but I mean, I would still love to have him on the show just to, you know, tell those stories and just to ask him those questions. We need to know, dude. You came yeah. off the cage. Knee dropped, Ivan in the head. Nobody talks about it. You monkey flip, Abdul the butcher. Nobody talks about it. Yeah, and even
1: this even his tag title run with Rick Rude. No, they don't. Yes, know, doesn't get enough attention. And they were an excellent tag team. I know they ended early because Rude went to WWF, but right, they were a great tag team.
0: And when you know when they beat the Rock and Roll Express, that it was it was a phantom title change. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, A lot of people don't talk about those either, but uh, it's ironically enough today when I was listening to uh, the Bruce Pritchard podcast, something to wrestle, and he was talking about uh, Mid-South that, you know, so he wasn't talking about not really anything, WWF, WWE, TNA, nothing. He went all the way back to his beginnings with, you know, in Houston wrestling and Mid-South. He was getting really good when almost three hours long, but really good when I recommend everybody listen to it. But they actually got to talking about gimmick matches. And I was like, oh, don't let them. uh, But (laughs) it's like, no, 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 no. But I mean, and this is one of the things, but it kind of leads into that. And I just want to let everybody know, Joel and I, we've, we've actually been talking about this for a while. This was before I heard uh, the Bruce Pritchard's podcast, but he said, therefore a bit, mid South was using, not just using gimmick matches way too much but they were going way overboard with the types of gimmick matches. And I remember one of them because I think I may have sent a link to it to you probably about a year ago or so. Uh, And I thought I posted it either on Twitter or on my Facebook or something, but it was Dibiase and Duggan in a cage match street fight tuxedo the loser leaves town. Yes. I mean, it was like all these gimmicks in one.
1: Yeah. It was like, yeah, there was like four or five gimmicks in one match. And it yes. was like, talk about overkill.
0: Yeah. And the fact, you know what, while we're talking about it, I'm just going to go see if I can find it again. But, um, but Bruce Pritchard, he, he talks about, he said there was even another one after that, because he actually mentioned that specific match, but he said there was another one after that with somebody else. And once again, it was also a loser leaves town match, but it was the same thing in a cage, which with something on a pole, uh, with the cage. Wow. And you know, and like what we've been saying, when you have when you have that that many train wrecks, that many car wrecks, you know, you're only going to watch the demolition derby so much. Yeah. And you can't keep having those same matches because that, it's no longer special. Yeah. The, and
1: the only the only exception, but just me personally, just my opinion, the only exception to the the car crash, so to speak, was original ECW because they always did it in a way to where you wanted to see what they were going to do next.
0: Yes. But, and.
1: All of their, you know, hardcore was the rule and, you know, they didn't really have quote unquote gimmick matches very often. Sometimes they'd have a cage match or they'd have uh, a ladder match, which they called stairway to hell Yeah, uh, because there was usually a weapon, there was usually a weapon up there. Um, Sometimes there was a title match and they still called it stairway to hell match because those guys beat the crap out of each other to get to that the top of that ladder. And they use those, they used ladders like we'd use to work on our houses. So it's not <laughs> a gimmick, WWE-type matches, type ladders. Um, but you they always up to ante with each show. So it's like, even though everything was kind of anything goes, they always made it feel different, and they didn't, I don't know, it just never felt watered down to me. But I get what you're saying about there. A lot of times, you can't have that many gimmicks, especially on one show. Without people are just going to tune out because they're going to be like, "Okay, I've seen all this before, so there's nothing new here." So
0: right, and and actually, I found it, and this was it was the same match: Ted DiBiase, Jim Duggan tuxedo street fight in a cage coal miners glove match loser leaves town
1: oh, Lord!
0: <laughs> i mean this was in houston uh, it which was mid-south wrestling but it was in houston
1: which stipulation uh, decided the winner
0: um i mean they did it in tuxedos
1: glove to hit your opponent rip off their tuxedo um <laughs>
0: i don't I, you know and I remember the tuxedo thing was that was a thing for a, a little bit don't know why because the tuxedos really didn't add anything it was just two guys fighting in tuxedos yeah and cuz Jimmy Valiant and Paul Jones had that at Starcade 84 actually they had a tuxedo uh, a tuxedo match I don't remember if it was actually called a tuxedo street fight which it probably was but it was a loser leaves town for 90 days because Jimmy Valiant lost and I cried <laughs> and because, you know, he was my he was my favorite and right. dad gone it. I mean, he was gone for 90 days, and I just was like counting down the days until he came back. And right. uh, but that one this was actually something Bruce pritchard was talking about. They really hurt the Loser Leaves Town concept there because it was just, well, loser leaves town. He said, Well, for how long? Yeah, they didn't always stipulate that. They didn't yeah. always say, Well, for how long. And I wanna say this was uh, this was in 1985. Um, when did DiBiase head to the WWF?
1: I'm um, um, trying to see. Let me see. Because I, I think
0: this that. may have been when one of them, uh, maybe. I mean, I like I said, I had to check, really had to check the history. Um, and. Oh, and somebody put, I love that leaning punch DiBiase does when his opponent's on the ground. Yes, absolutely. You know, that, that fist drop DiBiase does? Yeah. Did. yeah. That one, just the way he did, it, like they said, the leaning one, he was like, he was coming back. I was like, I mean, I always love that move.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, well, I know the Million Dollar Man gimmick debuted, it says here, May of 1987. He debuted at a house show in Houston.
0: Okay, was Duggan then? Duggan was already there?
1: I think Maybe.
0: so. Maybe, yeah, because well, when did Duggan and Iron Sheet get arrested together?
1: Uh, let's see. Jim Duggan debuted in January of 97. I mean, 87.
0: Oh, sin. Okay. WrestleMania
1: 3 was his first major appearance in WWE.
0: Huh, okay. In that case, I have no idea where... I'll have to actually watch the match again to see who actually won.
1: Yeah,
0: um, because I'm trying to think where did they go? Yeah, where did
1: they go before? Yeah, because DiBiase had worked for WWE before in early '80s,
0: right? And
1: left and then came back in '87 to do the Million Dollar Man gimmick. And
0: Duggan, and Duggan had
1: done the same. Duggan at worked there early '80s left and then came back.
0: I'm trying to think. Maybe they would have went to world class. I mean, it would make sense. Yeah, they um, could. you know, I'm thinking. Duggan, he did have uh, a feud with Skandor Akbar at one point, and Skandor Akbar was usually in world class. Yes. So yeah. that might have been where he went. I'd have to I'd really check it out. But, but yeah, but I have that many gimmicks in one <laughs> yeah. match. I for mean, one match. Uh, for
1: man. The dumbest gimmick match is there's a tie. WWE and this is WWE. WWE has had chairs matches, which is dumb, especially they have Big Show and Sheamus at one of the TLC matches, and then Big Show pulls out the giant gimmick chair, (laughs) and it's like this is just dumb. Especially during the time when you know information about concussions have come, you had come,
0: uh, right?
1: You know, had come into play, and then you have a match with chairs. Makes no sense. The stairs match is also a dumb one.
0: Oh, so, yeah, you could.
1: go and back at a TLC. And it's all they did was tr- run back and forth to the ring steps, trying to pick the ring steps up, and hit each other with it. It was like there's no, there's no psychology, there's no nothing interesting, there's no danger because they say all the time that those are two hundred pound steel steps. They're not. They're the same. They're made out of the same stuff that the uh, toolboxes in the back of pickup trucks are made
0: out of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> they're sturdy, but they're not. Yeah.
0: That heavy. <laughs> well, uh, I don't remember which match it was with, with the Undertaker. I don't remember who he was against. But the announcers had literally just said, "Yeah, the solid steel steps," and he got thrown into them, and it was obvious they were hollow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they, they, they whenever one, they made that hollow sound when, they got, and then it bent in on the side, and it's like you know, solid steel doesn't do that
0: it does not
1: when a human body hits it i mean if a truck hit it yeah
0: but you know it 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 kind of made uh, that sound uh, but come on uh you know it kind of made that sound like you know some some public playground like basketball hoops when somebody yeah. throws up a brick, yeah. clang. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, hits the back of the rim, makes that clanging noise, and it's yeah. like and everybody I, I, would yell,
0: brick. Yep, <laughs> I, I should know. I've made that sound many times. <laughs> so, but, um, but, yeah, but having something like that where they should have realized, okay, if that's the stipulation of the match, that means that they're going to have to bring it into the match because if not, it's just stupid to even have that stipulation. Yes. And so then that's all they're going. Like you said, all they focused on was that. Then you hit them with the steps. Okay, now what? And yeah. and you know, I still remember back in the day when throwing your opponent's head up against the the uh, the ring, like the pole.
1: Yeah.
0: You know that steel pole there. That used to be a disqualification. Now it's in every match.
1: Yeah, that was a DQ, or that was the knockout shot. That was usually yes. That person got counted out because they could not continue. Yeah, and now, well, now, like you said, it's in every match. But part of the reason is in WWE, it's like you have that LED board that's covering yes. the ring post. So it's like they always say, you get thrown into the ring post. No, they got thrown into an LED board.
0: Yeah, it's every once in a while, they'll actually crack it. They're like, Z-Z-Z-Z. it's like, uh-oh. yeah. <laughs> Our bad around
1: the ring like they'll throw them into the apron and they'll crack the led board and it'll go out and i'm thinking vince is throwing a fit back there because they just yeah <laughs> so
0: uh, i've noticed that they don't have the led board as much anymore yeah um, and um let's see the dumbest besides the judy bagwell on a forklift match <laughs> <laughs> um
1: judy bagwell uh, on a pole she was one half of the WCW tag team champions with Rick Steiner.
0: Oh, uh, and see Vince Russo—that's why we need to have you on the show. We're going to ask you the questions.
1: Yeah, I have to. Ask, yeah, I would love to ask him the questions because I want to know how much of these booking decisions were his and how much, you know, were what was he told to do or how much freedom that he had. I would love to know. I would love to talk to him and know. Exactly how much freedom that he had with all this.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, it does make. People
1: have always said that with WWE, he had Vince McMahon as the filter to be like, "No, we're not doing that Mm -hmm. idea. No, we're not doing that idea." And in WCW, he didn't have that filter. But I'm wondering how much of that is truthful, or how much of that has just been become legend over the years of pro wrestling.
0: Well. I know Jim Cornette hates him and has been very open about how much he hates him. Yeah. And, you know, but Cornette, he's another one I'd love to have on the show. However, you say, Jim, no cussing, and it, well, deals off. <laughs> and oh, yeah. so, on of that, you say, Jim, no politics, no religion, up, oh, deals off.
1: Yeah, because I don't think Jim Cornette could do it without cussing. I just don't.
0: No. Nah. Oh, well, I mean, I think he could, but um, actually. The one who could not do it without cussing is Rip Rogers. Yeah, if, no, if, Rip could not do it without cussing. If, if you've ever heard an interview with him,
1: I have, and <laughs> I agree. Jim could do it, but I don't think it would have the same effect. I don't think it would have the same punch because that's that's part that's Jim Cornette. It's yeah. like he's just unfiltered, and that's what makes his topic's interesting, even if you don't agree. And I don't always agree with, you know, Jim Cornette's views on wrestling, on today's wrestling. Right. But he is, you know, he is knowledgeable and he is interesting to listen to.
0: I will say that Jim Cornette is one of the greatest wrestling minds out there. Period. Absolutely.
1: Yep. Again, another one who is vastly underrated as far as, one of the great minds in the sport
0: yes and it's because it's overshadowed by his mouth yeah yeah and uh, because i mean his he is a walking wrestling encyclopedia yeah Yeah. i I mean it's just amazing uh but trying to think you know because jim Cornell, of course he was involved in the skywalkers match and he blew out his knee uh i mean and that was you know poor guy (laughs) <laughs> but
1: he's involved in some tuxedo matches with Paulie.
0: yep and but the dumbest match i think i have ever seen for a lot of reasons was the punjabi prison match
1: okay uh the only punjabi prison match that i actually liked because it was just a train wreck which i feel like it was designed <laughs> be, was when Jinder Mahal was the WWE champion and he was defending against Randy Orton. Randy Orton. And he had At, the Singh brothers constantly interfering, trying to help him win. And the Singh brothers are bump machines. And they were. those <laughs> dudes enough credit for putting their body on the line because those dudes were bumping their tails off all the time, you know, getting guys over. But that was actually entertaining because...
0: It was so bad it was good.
1: It was, yeah, it was so bad it was good, but it was a train wreck. It, you know, the <laughs> whole time I'm, I'm enjoying that match, but every other one was terrible. But honestly, the reason why though people won't admit this because people despise Jinder Mahal as WWE champion. I don't. I, I, I don't
0: either. I mean, I, I good look, good move set.
1: Yeah, he carried himself like a champion. He, you know, his promos weren't bad. It's not his fault he was given garbage to say. Right. You know, your employer says, here's your script to say. You've got to say it, you know, especially if you're the champion. But him and Randy Orton actually had good chemistry together. Mm -hmm. they, They actually worked well together. Randy's even said he liked working with Jinder Mahal. But then you had the great Khali who... Never had any business being a wrestler. He got signed because he was big.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's it. Because he had no mobility mobility in the ring. Nothing. And they put him in the ring with Batista. You could get great matches out of Batista, but he had to have the right opponent. Yes. Great Kali was not it.
0: And, but, yeah, that match, actually, one of the reasons it was literally hard to watch was because of the way Like the bamboo and the poles and everything were set up. So it was literally hard to watch because you couldn't get any visibility. But
1: It was hard to watch. But the one with Mahal and Orton, the camera work was good. They did more inside. They did more camera stuff inside the ring where the bars weren't obstructing what you saw. So I get maybe that's why it was better for me to watch that one. But yeah, all the other ones, Undertaker and Big Show, which was supposed to be Undertaker and Kali, but Kali uh, got injured. And so they had Big Show fill in. That one was terrible. They've only had a few and only Orton and Mahal was worth watching.
0: Uh, But the Undertaker, if they're ever going to have a gimmick match with the Undertaker we know the match that they should have had.
1: The casket match.
0: Casket match, exactly. And the the casket match, I don't... They've borderline overused it, but the reason I say that is because of when they threw Undertaker and Rusev into a casket match for no good reason at one of the crown jewels. And... It made no sense. Yeah, they're like, okay, an Undertaker and Rusev in a casket match. I was like, why?
1: Yeah. Well, it's like at WrestleMania 22 when they had Undertaker and Mark Henry in a casket match. Why? Or casket match. There was no, no real build for that match. It was just, we got Undertaker on the card. We don't have anything for Mark Henry to do. Let's have them feud for, you know three, four weeks before the pay-per-view, and then, for some reason, put it in a casket match.
0: And... Uh, it's No! Not all the time. Come on. And, yeah. and, and there uh, have
1: been anchor casket matches, but there have been some good ones, too, like Sean uh, and Undertaker, mm-hmm. II, where Sean messed up his back, taking yep. his bump into the coffin. That was a good one. Because not only did it end the Undertaker Shawn Michaels feud like it was supposed to, that mm-hmm. was the feud. Kane interfered, cost Undertaker the match. Kane sets fire to the cat to the casket, which led into their feud. It it worked, you know, it worked for everybody. It worked cleared up all the storylines all the way around. Um, Undertaker and Kane have had some good casket matches Um, Undertaker and Randy Orton when he was feuding with Randy Orton uh, on Smackdown they had had a good casket match but yeah that one with him and Rusev on a random crown jewel I don't understand that at all there wasn't even any build for it they just announced it and then they switched it and it was going to be Chris Jericho and then they switched it back to Rusev and it's like why?
0: And, you know, I was thinking that's, um, for me, it's not the first time they've had Undertaker just thrown in a, a specialty, should be the match in, or the, the angle ending mm-hmm. match, but instead it's just a random match. And it was uh, the WrestleMania in Dallas where it was him and Shane in the had on the cell for no good reason.
1: Yes, none. Yeah, there was no reason to have that in the cell. And it was just to—it was just to get the WrestleMania moment of shaming off the sale.
0: Yeah, which um, I remember it because that was also one of the first WrestleManias, which lasted like you know twelve hours. Yeah, uh, because I'm sitting there trying to watch that if watch I'm watching, um, and I'm—I just happened to wake up, and I—but at this point, I had already uh, moved it from my TV to my phone, so I could lay down and. <laughs> Kind of watch it without, you know, keeping keeping my wife up. But when Shane went off that cage, I mean, I just yelled, "Holy!" Yeah, and I heard, "Honey," I mean, and she kind of like backhand slapped me in the ribs (laughs) because I just woke her up. And yeah, but I mean, it was I mean, like you said, it was so Shane could have his moment. Yeah, him jumping off the cage again. Yeah, and. You know, but there was... The part of the stipulation was if if Shane won, he would get control of Raw. If he lost, I don't remember what the other stipulation was.
1: There was something something that they never brought up again. They brought it up one time on Raw leading into WrestleMania. There was supposed to be some documents in a lockbox. Yeah. Vince never wanted to see the light of day. Shane was basically like, if I win... You know, you pick my opponent. If I win at WrestleMania, then the contents of the lockbox will be revealed, and then he'll and then I'll run Raw. If I lose, I don't get to run Raw.
0: Right. Then he lost. Vince gave him Raw anyway.
1: And he got to run Raw anyway, and they never mentioned the lockbox again.
0: Right. You know, it's kind of like the whole thing when Baby Doll came out with a manila envelope, and it supposedly had pictures of Dusty Rhodes and something. They they never actually came out and revealed what it was because Baby Doll was fired not too long after that. Yeah,
1: and it's like that angle was just gone. Um, Personally, I think the best gimmick match War Games, early War Games,
0: early War Games
1: before. Let's see. After ninety-six, terrible. Yep. At, from ninety-six, from from ninety-seven until NXT revived war games, there was not a good war games match from the rest of WCW's existence. They were just overbooked. Ridiculousness. But the early war games were amazing like when you had the superpowers versus the horsemen Mm -hmm. it was just fantastic when you had sting squadron against the dangerous alliance which is the highest rated war games ever it was it got five stars which it deserved it. it was fantastic i mean the amount of talent in that match alone was just Phenomenal. I mean, especially people that went on to be huge stars in professional wrestling put on one of the best matches ever. And just the concept of war games where, you know, you could have like a 2-on-1 advantage or a 3-on-2 advantage until everybody's in. And then the match actually starts. And it's like, it just ramped up that tension and that anticipation, especially for me being a huge Arn Anderson fan, every time Arn was the one that was released in the cage, I'm like, all right, here we go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If Michael Hayes has said without Arn Anderson, War Games would not be the match that it became without Arn Anderson.
0: And I don't know what the odds of this are. We're going to have to get a mathematician to let us know, somebody who's a calculus major. What are the odds of every time they did the fl- the coin flip, the heels every time had the advantage?
1: Every single time, yeah.
0: <laughs> every single time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to think my favorite type of gimmick match. I would almost dare say probably the cage match. Just a flat out um, cage match just because of the potential for the brutality. And, oh, well, okay, let me caveat it the non WWF cage matches yes yeah. because the whole point of a cage is to keep your you know keep your opponent from leaving
1: yes it's to keep not everybody, keep you two in and everybody out and it's supposed to be the end that's that's the end of your feud you're contained and y'all supposed to end it yeah And everybody else around the WWE, all these other wrestling companies, can do a cage match like that. And it's like WWE will have a cage match with two guys. And then two weeks later, they'll have a regular match again on Raw. And it's like, but you just ended this in the cage. It's what the cage is for.
0: Right. And when you see like the brutal matches, like, you know, TA and Tully, when you see the Rock and Rolls against the Andersons. That's what a cage must be actually. Magnum and Wahoo, if you can find that yeah. one, yeah. that one was a really good one. And that's what cage matches were supposed to be like. And the WWF, because they had what at the time you that's the way you want it was escaping the cage, they didn't even have pinfalls in there, yeah. and they eventually yeah. added those later on. But when Hogan went to WCW. All of a sudden, you could all you could escape the cage to win the cage match there. Yes, and that made me mad. Hogan just used to make me just mad. Yeah, <laughs> and, Hogan
1: changed the rules wherever he he went to benefit him, and he was such a huge star and brought such eyes to the product. Mm-hmm. Nobody was going to tell him no.
0: Right, and one match I they don't use properly now. They used to use it properly, but that is the Lumberjack or Lumberjill match. Yes. Those used to be used like the way there's, once again, because somebody keeps getting counted out, whatever, Lumberjack, throw them back in. And the first Lumberjack match I ever remember watching, so this would be when I was around eighth grade. I was living in North Carolina. My mom was dating a guy who had a satellite dish, like, like one of the great big, you know, like five, six meter satellite. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so they were able to pick up all these channels. I mean, we didn't even have cable and here they were, they were able to pick up these channels that you couldn't even get on cable like um, the Madison square garden network.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. And I don't even know if that's even a channel anymore, but, uh, but they were able to pick that up. And the guy, he actually, he also had a son who was my age, also a big wrestling fan. Mm -hmm. and his older brother was also a wrestling fan so i just remember being at their house one night and watching madison square garden network and it was hogan and savage and and this was uh i don't remember if savage was the intercontinental i think he may have been intercontinental champion at this point because i was also watching at same house the night savage beat tito santana for the intercontinental title that was on the new england sports network
1: Okay. okay and
0: well the yeah because he beat him uh
1: he beat him at the boston gardens
0: didn't he mm-hmm. yep uh because uh savage was outside oh he was on the ring apron but he was outside the ropes tito went to pick him up for a back suplex but savage had reached inside his tights and pulled out you know something that was on his hand and he punched yeah. tito in the head and and pinned him and tito later on said yeah because uh what's his name danny hart uh, remember the the cricket referee uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Danny Davis. Yeah. Danny Davis.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He was the referee and that's why you know, but, um, but Savage and Hogan were in the garden and it was a lumberjack match. And this was, um, the reason why it was because they used to run like the once a month show at the Garden at, at yeah. the garden. And the previous two months it had been Savage and Hogan. And I remember reading this in pro wrestling illustrator or one of the after mags and Savage had beaten Hogan twice by count-out. Oh, okay. You know, So the reason for the Lumberjack match was actually not even because of Savage. It was actually because of Hogan. And, well, as the match was starting, and I believe it was supposed to be live or pretty close to it, well, Hogan comes out, and he has his ribs all taped up. So this would have been... uh, Actually, you know what? Savage had to have had the Intercontinental title. This would have been... Not long before WrestleMania 2. Okay. Um, Because Hogan came out with his ribs all taped up. And at one point during the match, he slid out of the ring and went over and punched Bundy and he punched Morocco in the head and then jumped back in the ring. Okay. And we were looking like, what's, you know, okay. And then they kind of, oh, because of what happened the other night. And well, this was like during the week, that upcoming Saturday was when they played Saturday night's main event, and it was the one where it was Hogan against Morocco, but then Bundy interfered. Yes. And Morocco held him, you know, yeah. while Bundy did the, you know, the avalanche and then he did yeah. the splash on him and, and and hurt his ribs. Right. You know, so we watched things out of order. Right. But the ending of that match, um, and I, I'd like to see somebody do this again. Hogan threw savage and if you're looking at the screen just imagine okay he threw him into the ropes away from i guess the hard camp okay and then as soon as he threw him he ran to the next ropes over what would be to you know you're looking at it be to your right yes what the faces were on the other side of the side where hogan threw savage they reached in tripped savage a Boom, he falls on his face and kind of rolls over on his back, right? As Hogan comes over with a leg drop, boom, and then one, two, three, it's over. Uh, yeah. So it was the way they did that, I was like, all right, that was actually kinda of cool. The way they just, you know, they they timed it up perfect. And, you know, but um, but yeah, nowadays a lumberjack match, you know, as soon as they have it,
1: two minutes okay. into
0: it, everybody's in the ring fighting.
1: Yeah. Though there's a lumberjack match that I've never seen that I would love to see. It was Tully Blanchard uh, and Ricky Morton. It was in the Omni in Atlanta, and it was a lumberjack belt match mm. where all the lumberjacks had belts, and if you got thrown out into the oh. ring, <laughs> you got you got whipped. And that,
0: that's right, I remember hearing about
1: that. I would love to see that match because you know it's a good one because you know ricky morton and Tully blanchard we're gonna have a great match regardless and with that added that with that it's kind of two stipulations in one it's sort of like a strap match except the lumberjacks have the straps but it works within the confines because the story leading up to it was tully and Arn were feuding with the rock and roll express right and tully blanchard had hit the ring and attacked ricky morton and and whipped him with a belt with a belt national television so that's what led into that match
0: wow this bring me bring me back to some saturday mornings Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh you know and we're actually getting kind of close to um the time but i was thinking you know some of the other matches we haven't mentioned you know a barbed wire match um yes you know that's another one that if you ever people you ever want a good one find the sheep herders and the fantastics
1: yes Find the Sheep mm-hmm. Herders and the Fantastics, find Terry Funk and Sabu from mm-hmm. original ECW, where Sabu tore his bicep open on a piece of barbed wire. Yes. And,
0: oh, that was so gross.
1: Yeah. And just wrapped athletic tape around it and kept going.
0: Kept going. Um, I Actually, find the Sheep Herders and in the Invaders. I mean, if you really I want like, to go back. Yeah. Yeah. And... And if everybody's wondering who are the sheep herders, uh, it was the Bushwhackers before they uh, became like kid-friendly.
1: Yeah, before they were goofy, they mm-hmm. were they were Man, I mean,
0: they were vicious. They were great.
1: <laughs> if you want to see ECW before there was an ECW, go find the sheep herders.
0: Yeah, any sheep herders match.
1: Any sheep herders match.
0: And... They had uh, one
1: objective, and that was to brutalize their opponents.
0: Mm-hmm. And... That's why it disappointed me they never turned heel in the, the, the wWF because man, they could have put on some stuff, but I mean, it, you, you can't really go from licking kids in the forehead to you yeah, know, all of a sudden' want to slap them, so yeah um, but we'll mm-hmm. see another uh, kind of a kind of a gimmick with a stipulation the, the first blood match, you know you can't really have those now because everybody has a no blood policy yeah um, now th- that was another one because a battle royal is also kind of considered a gimmick match, but it's a you know in a way
1: yeah
0: and the ecw when they were really first starting to crank it up they were catching a lot of criticism from um publications like and illustrated you know all the aftermaths when they said okay they're getting they're going a little overboard they had a last blood battle royal yes. <laughs> so the last person to bleed won the battle royal yep. um oh what they're uh, one of you, I know, I know you said you, you don't really care for it, but I'm going to let you go with the Elimination Chamber. Um, I do
1: like the Chamber. I just don't think it should be its own pay-per-view. Okay. Only I say that because they've watered it down. I and think that's, yeah. If they're going to have it as a pay-per-view, then it needs to be basically, real quick, because I know we gotta we got to wrap it up, whoever wins the Royal Rumble should come out the next week on Raw, say which champion that they're going to challenge. Yes. Then, the Chamber match should be, should determine the number one contender for the other world title that the Royal Rumble winner didn't pick. That way, oh. the Royal Rumble winner goes to Mania to face whichever, cha- say, whoever wins the Royal Rumble picks Roman for, to, to challenge. They go, your, your main match is set. Then you have the elimination chamber match, have the number one contender for the WWE title. Then your WWE title match is set. And then that's it doesn't need to be, they don't need to have it for the intercontinental title or the tag team titles or any of that. It needs to be either contendership for a world title or a world title match.
0: And you know what? They could do the same thing with the women.
1: Absolutely,
0: yeah. yeah because there are, now they have a women's Royal Rumble, exactly. and they also have women's Elimination Chamber. Perfect. I
1: completely agree. Use the exact same format for both, and then you get your world title matches booked early for Mania, and you've got a month and a half to book your to build your story to WrestleMania.
0: And and let's be honest, uh, the Elimination Chamber and the Royal Rumble, especially. There's not a dull moment really in those matches. No.
1: No, there's not.
0: So uh I mean people I mean they're standing on their feet watching the rumble waiting for that countdown and yep. You know, and you're you're but trying to never guess who's going
1: to show up. Like, yeah. when, when AJ debuted in 2016, it was like nobody nobody expected AJ Styles to show up in a WWE ring. I right. never thought he would be a WWE guy.
0: And, um, but that's one of those, everybody loves the rumble. And the reason, another reason it works so well is because they only use it once a year.
1: Once a year. Yep. One time for the men and the women. They use it one time a year in January and that's it. So you look forward every year. That's the pay-per-view really that I look forward to every year Mm -hmm. is the rumble because it's never been watered down because they only do it one time.
0: Right, and the only – they've had them. They tried to do it a couple of times. The only exception, and I thought it was good, but you also could do it on, was the greatest Royal Rumble they had at the very first Saudi show. Yeah. Um, and that one was entertaining because, you know, 50 guys coming out. Actually, I think it ended up being like 52 guys or something. Yeah. Uh, but all them coming out and then watching Titus bite it and slide it into the ring. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Poor
0: Titus. <laughs> oh, <they're... laughs> where's Titus? Yeah. <laughs> they have said, it. We're like, what happened to Titus? <laughs> and then they kept showing, it's like, oh man, and you're watching, going, how do you, do? ah, okay, the back of his yeah. heel called on that, okay. But, but yeah, and maybe they need to take notice of, okay, look, Raw and SmackDown should be used not for gimmick matches. You need to build it up, build up the, the, um, the story between the competitors and then, you know, for the, to really push the pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, if actually, if you even want to call it a pay-per-view anymore, because we're not paying them, we're just, if you have the network, you're good.
1: Yeah. Network specials, I think is what they call it now.
0: Yeah. And now granted, I mean, if, if you are close or if you want to travel to wherever the pay-per-view is, I mean, it might make you want to go watch it. Yeah. You know, so uh, – but pay attention, guys. Don't overdo the gimmick matches. Eric Bischoff, I you mean, know, he actually hates gimmick matches. He's actually said it because he thinks wrestling should be the one, two, three pin, and that's it. And, you know, he said it, it just doesn't make any sense. All of a sudden, you can't beat a guy by pinning him, and so you're going to have him in some other kind of matches. There's another kind of stipulation. You know, that's why he's he's not a fan of them. Uh, and I get that, but at the same time, I mean, it can still be very intriguing. A cage match, you're still pinning them. Yeah. It's supposed to be. A bull rope match, you're still pinning them. A dog collar match, you're still pinning them. Yeah. Um, and another one, WWF or WWE, used a little too much at times. Falls kind of anywhere. Yeah. You know, but you're still pinning them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you may be pinning them, you know, in the back of an ambulance in the parking lot, but you're still pinning them. Yeah. You know, and... can you think of any more matches that I may have forgotten or we may have forgotten or
1: Um, no, not really. I mean, the uh, triple threats, kind of a gimmick, uh, which I feel is overused. Yes. Uh, it still be good depending on the talent that's in it. But um, I prefer the ECW version, which is the three way dance where there is two eliminations.
0: Yes. In fact, that was actually something else I meant to bring up. I think it was last week. You know how I've I've always said it should always be an elimination, kind of like what you said? Yes. Now, That's how it started. Yes, yes. Yep. And Jim Ross liked that idea. Well, somebody complained. They said, well, the matches are taking too long. So Vince changed it, and now it's being used so a champion can lose their title without actually losing their title
1: which is a ridiculous concept that I yes. I know that they do it to to build intrigue I think that's just dumb the champions yeah. should never lose their title unless they are beaten for the title yes just and... like having the title in a ladder match and somebody else a multi-man ladder match and somebody else could win the title it's like no no the champion should have to be beaten Yes. you should not be able to call yourself world champion if you didn't beat the person that had the title
0: And, you know, at least Elimination Chamber, it is an elimination match. If the champion's did it, they do get eliminated at some point.
1: Yes, if they – if yeah, in the Elimination Chamber, that's different. Yeah, because they get – they, you know, if the champion gets eliminated early, then you're guaranteed a new champion. But somebody pinned the champion to get rid of them. So –
0: Oh, well, I mean – I'm pretty sure once we stop recording tonight as I'm going to sleep, I'll probably think, think of some of the gimmick matches that we've Me forgotten. That, that's yeah. the way it works. I mean, that's just life. Uh, but anybody listening, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Facebook, email us and let us know about some of the matches that we may have forgotten. And and this match between Ted DiBiase and and Hacksaw, I'm actually going to post it probably on Facebook and Twitter just so everybody can enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> Because I mean you how many how many more gimmicks can you have in one match? Yeah. You know, um the only thing that I guess they could have done, maybe they could have put barb wire wire in the ropes inside the cage. And, and set
1: everything on fire. <laughs> yeah, set
0: everything on fire. You know, I'm not a fan of the fire matches just because I mean the the chance for injury is a little too great, depending yeah. you know, um but yeah, another thing. watch that XPW um, Dark Side of the Ring, dude. I mean that, that one I
1: didn't watch that. I, I yeah. missed that one have to
0: watch that one even though apparently it's the, their lowest rated one yet because most people had not even heard of xpw
1: i'd heard of xpw but i didn't realize that that's where that oh that's where that match happened i always thought yeah
0: was I, so did i until i watched that and i was like oh <laughs> you know i was like okay and that one because i mean yeah it got it um definitely not family friendly i just put it like that the whole thing you know, about xpw you know, yeah and i had no clue about something that. i was like um okay that's um all right interesting and uh but yeah so yeah definitely go watch it and um we don't have anything on the agenda yet for thursday and also if anybody's listening if you know somebody that would like to be on the show hit us up let us know and now we will i mean i will say this we will have to vet the people because we do prefer to have someone actually involved in the wrestling business in some way and although there will be a kind of an exception here in a few weeks, but there was actually a, a historic, at least historic to me and Joellen, reason why.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep. Uh, we are going to have somebody on the show uh, as a special guest to us, and it's going to be a watch along, but that's really um, the only hint I'm going to give right now. <laughs> so, um, but we do truly appreciate everyone you know, who listens, and I've been getting feedback lately, and Joellen, you've been hearing things as yep. well. -hmm. Yep. We've been hearing a lot of positive things and we appreciate all the feedback we get. Even if you think there's something we could do better, just let us know because, yep, we can't get better if we don't know about it. So, but until we speak again, my friend, I'll be talking at you. All right. God bless. All
1: right. God bless, man.